1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners podcast. I am Shad, here with Brad, thanks to a confluence of events. Um, We don't have Matt with us this evening, so for you diehard Matt fans out there, I listen to Four Corners for Matt. Uh, Sorry, but that's just kind of how we're rolling tonight. Brad, how how are you holding up?
0: Uh, I'm doing good, and for those confluence of events, we can just call tonight a... A good old-fashioned train wreck.
1: Mm, yeah. Um...
0: Or, or one of those semis that just drove through one of those tunnels that was too low clearance for ourselves and we got stuck. Oh.
1: <laughs> That's probably a better metaphor.
0: Yeah, our fat just... asses are stuck in the tunnel right now. <laughs> We're Winnie the Pooh when he had to lose all that weight because he ate too much at Rabbits. Um. Uh... Oh my
1: gosh, I had another example and now I can't.
0: Uh, Homer getting stuck in the the water slide.
1: Uh, this is me. I, I don't make that Simpsons references. Um, ah. Let's see. Surely to goodness, this is the shock master busting through the wall. Yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, we need to do a couple of shout outs first. Uh, the first one is... Um, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Use the promo code 4corners. That's the number four. Capital C and Corners. Capital P and Podcast. No spaces. Get 10% off. Uh, I do the whole song and dance, but I'm already tired. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we will be uh, getting to the WWC episode here shortly. So we will be talking about Epico. Um, that's coming. And then the other shout out we need to do. We really wanted to make sure we got this is we got to give a shout out to our um, our giveaway winner. That would be Mr. Beefy on Twitter. Um, He has really been enjoying the uh, the prize package he won and we're thrilled that he is. Uh, He always already went to an indie wrestling show wearing one of the shirts. I saw that picture on Twitter. So and his uh, his son Took the Adam Page Um Battling buddy and, and ran off with it As soon as they got the thing open So there's some cowboy stuff Going on too
0: Yeah I've known, I've known Mr. Beefy Via the Phil Singer Games community For probably 15 years Okay So yeah he's a cool dude
1: So That's our way of saying thank you For being a fan he just kind of happened to win
0: yeah, And, and I- um I would say I would say of our audience he's I would say he was like our first like actual fan.
1: I think that's a fair statement to make. Um he he, he was definitely one of our first Twitter Twitter followers that wasn't one of the three of us or related yeah. to us. <laughs> All right, Brad, why don't you um take us away a little bit and, and show us uh, and where are we going
0: this well, episode so we we tried to get a guest tonight and um we've kind of had a back and forth with uh, with the person we're trying to get. Uh, For about a year and a half now, and every time he agrees to do the show, some horrible mishap always befalls him. So we're obviously the problem in this situation. I
1: swear this is cursed. That's the only answer I can come up with.
0: Because I literally said to Shad, like, didn't we kill another one of his family members like last year? And he's like, no, that was something else. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: (laughs) And to be fair, we didn't kill a family member here either. But um, there's some bad business going on. So yeah.
0: I have a very, I have a very blunt, like, sense of humor, like in writing. No, it's, um,
1: it's, it's funny. But if he's listening to it, I don't want this to be like it took a bad turn and
0: yeah, we're cracking
1: jokes on him.
0: But we'll, we'll get him someday. It's just things happen sometimes. So we, we yeah. kind of, we kind of were going in the backup. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna, t- we're gonna talk a little wrestling, and then we're gonna talk some video games. Uh, that's gonna be our night. So we kind of touched on it last week. I don't know if it came up on air but but uh, Minoru Suzuki came up mm. and yes did we re- I recommended a match to Shad I don't know if I did this on air off air and Shad happened to watch it
1: <laughs> it's a shocker isn't it yeah
0: <laughs> his children were sick over the weekend so I think he delved into that and some other stuff that Matt and I had recommended
1: I got that one. I yeah. definitely got that one.
0: So is is kind of like a first time ish exposure to this match, what did you think? So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lay a little background to this match before Shad gets into it. So this is from okay. I think the twenty fifteen G one Climax tournament. So if you okay. don't know what the G One Climax Tournament is, it's a big ass tournament that goes on for like a month in New Japan. It's a giant round robin tournament. And the winner usually gets a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom. So it's it's essentially a month where wins and losses mean everything in New Japan. And you get a bunch of right. great matches in the um in the meantime.
1: Well, it was this was um Minro Suzuki versus AJ Styles, and wasn't AJ the champion?
0: Yes. The champions usually in the tournament.
1: Okay, so um yeah, this was Suzuki versus Styles. Um, my my very first impression of Suzuki is he comes out and he's got a great sneer. You know it, that was something I pride, had pride in myself on as a as a heel. I had a a friend of mine characterized it as he can peg you with a sneer at fifty yards. Um, but um, Suzuki comes out and he's just got this great pissed off sneer. And his music to me Mohawk sounds
0: this, this. Did he have the Mohawk in this match? He has a Mohawk.
1: Uh, no, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, that must. Have been I
1: think he was later. just buzz cut. I think he was buzz cut or maybe he had a really short Mohawk. But I don't remember him having like, a, you know, a. Um, OK, you know, uh, you know, like a good old, good old, really stick it up Mohawk.
0: He had a mohawk for a while and like usually if he has the buzz cut, he has like some designs kind of buzzed into his hair.
1: I couldn't tell if he had designs buzzed in or if that was just wrinkles of his scalp.
0: It's usually designs, but like usually it's streamed. I this this was a video, so it probably wasn't in high def, but New Japan world is usually high def. Uh-huh. So you kinda you kinda see more of that. So yeah. um I would say He comes better... out Minoru Suzuki's I'm, the kind of guy that looks like he would bite your face off just to prove a point to you.
1: That's definitely the look he had on his face, and I appreciate that. You know, because you've got to project a, um, you know, you've got to project that that kind of thing whenever you're coming out, and especially if you're being slightly heelish. Well, so here, uh, he, he he comes out and he's got that. And his music sounded like a Japanese version of Journey to me. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, they're going along and they're doing that. And then at some point, something hits. And there's this, like the crowd chants something with it. I don't know what it is. Oh, but that they're was kinda...
0: singing like, the chorus.
1: Okay, well, I figured it was something like that. But that was a cool moment. And AJ's in the ring and AJ's like staring at him. But, you know, AJ's so good with his facial expressions. It's this... Oh god. Uh oh, Do I really have to fight this guy? And the nice thing is the 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 my favorite thing about this match is how solid the psychology was the whole way through. Top to bottom, this match had just great great psychology. AJ's doing his regular stuff trying to uh, you know, basically wears Suzuki out with the stuff he knows works. But Suzuki, well, it looks like he takes a bite out of a lemon or perhaps, I don't know, a piece of sheet metal and gets mad and hooks on AJ's left arm and spends most of the match just just cranking on it. And the this kept coming back I have seen time and again, time and again in indie matches, in pro-American matches too, The they'll work, work the arm, work the arm, work the arm, finish with a DDT, and it, it, it never actually plays a role. It's kind of like watching a Seth Rollins match. He's like, oh no, my knee is tweaking, and then he forgets all about it and goes on as normal. But not in this case, because Suzuki works the arm. AJ's coming back. Suzuki works the arm. AJ tries to come back. Suzuki works the arm. AJ went for the Styles Clash, but could not hold the um, couldn't hold Suzuki up to actually get the Styles Clash right. And so it wasn't until the very end when AJ finally gets the Styles Clash on him. There was a great spot. You you had told me that Suzuki's finishes were the sleeper hold and the cradle pile driver. He used the sleeper to transition into the attempt at the cradle pile driver, which I enjoyed. Couldn't quite get AJ up for it. AJ fights out, and that takes us into the finish. But it was... um, Oh, and I think he was actually working the right arm instead of the left. So AJ is... They get in this clubbing section of the match towards the end and aj's trying to club him he's having to club him with his off hand too so it was um you know it was a very it was very well done very well put the psychology wasn't complicated it doesn't have to be but it was very well done and i really enjoyed that
0: so after seeing that you kind of said like i might have to watch a little more new japan
1: yeah um if the storytelling is is that kind of tight, then I'm on board. Um, Cause that that I like that, you know, I, I, I like it. Things don't have to look. That's the same match Ric Flair had for 30 years, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm okay. With, I'm okay with it. It's just it, look, we've got guys in the states that can do some really cool athletic stuff. But the cool athletic stuff pretty much becomes, I hit you with this, now I hit you with this, now I hit you with this. Now you hit me with that, and you hit me with that, and, you, and, and we don't get that. The storytelling, is it feels like, is kind of lacking. And There's, so I'm really enjoying, I, I enjoyed seeing that kind of, It was, it was meat and potatoes, but it was solid.
0: You get that back and forth in New Japan, but it's different. There's a much Mm -hmm. more, like, when that's going on, there is a level of, like, there's a level of machismo to it, where it's more about, I'm doing this to one-up you.
1: That's kind of the way, um, if you get that section in a Samoa Joe match, then that's, that's the feel you get out of it. Yeah. Um, and I love Joe, so, um, you know, uh, i'm good with that um i I am intrigued in seeing a little bit more um it did i did try and do that with a lot of the matches i had so it it warmed the cockles of my cold dead wrestling heart and and made me wistful for the times that i could do that and kind of wish i could again but um that section of life is over but i I can still kind of rebel in it
0: i think though like so what what kind of happens with New Japan though, and I think where it can be difficult to get into is sometimes like with the matches, like say the Omega Okada series, mm-hmm. like if you just watch a one-off match, like there is, there are things that build through all of the matches. Right. And, um, and the matches are different, but like a lot of times, like I said, the matches kind of build on each other in small little ways. Right. But where I think you would enjoy New Japan more is it's very sports-based.
1: I'm this weird guy. I want the sports-based stuff, but I want some good story in it, you know?
0: You get that, though. It's, well,
1: it's just, it's a tough itch to scratch in the States. It feels like the most recent place I've come up with it has been AEW. You know, you know, well, I mean, we we gushed all over Cody Dustin, for example. Yeah. Um, but that that's. You know, that's the kind of um, that's the kind of stuff I like. And if if I have an outlet for maybe some more of that, I'd be I think I'd be pretty intrigued.
0: Yeah. And the, and the nice thing about New Japan is most of the shows are on New Japan World. You, you can skip the house shows. Yeah, because usually what the house shows are they're multi mans that build to the big events. Then the big events are usually chopped up, and there you can choose between Japanese and English. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you can cherry pick because they split the matches out.
1: That's so, nice.
0: That's nice. So if you if you see a match you don't care about, you can, you can watch it all in one go. But you know, you usually only end for like a couple shows a month unless you're trying to watch everything. It can get um, a little hectic for the G one, but the G one you can cherry pick
1: well the I'm, I'm going to ask this question um, because it's it seems to me I, I know this was the perception years ago was that new Japan psychology would be like, all right we're we're working on each other, we're working on each other, and then it's you hit me with a big move, but oh, I hit you with a big move before I drop down and sell have Was that them or all Japan, and have they gotten away from that?
0: Um, it varies.
1: Okay, because that that aggravates me. Um, I don't like that. But, yeah, you're not going to like everything.
0: It's very different between matches. Like, you might get a match where they just... Like, you might get a Suzuki match where it's just, like, they're they're beating each other up the whole time, and it's just this roughneck, like, back-and-forth brawl. Yeah. And then you might get, like, an Okada match that's a little that might get a little spotty as it goes okay but usually like usually it's spotty for a reason if it does get that way like there's a story underlying it
1: okay well that could be a um if if it's something that i get into i'll definitely be looking for it (laughs) um So I, yeah, that was. I mean, that was that was a. You picked out a good match to, to get me working on. So I I, I do appreciate that.
0: I might. We might. I'd say like the next thing you might want to try is the, the Jericho Omega match from Wrestle Kingdom last year, and then uh, no, two years ago, and then um, the two Jericho Naito matches.
1: Yeah, I remember you guys. Tell it talking about those, the Jericho's. You know, it, all these years later, uh, from reading his book, he talked about how how big respect was in Japan, and how by flouting that so regularly, um, it would uh, just you know it just made the crowd so upset. And so, from from what I saw of like the the um, the press conference and stuff, what does he do? He goes right back to what works because yeah. it works.
0: <laughs> and the other thing you have to remember is the new Japan Booker is a 1980s Jim Crockett promotions, Mark.
1: That's true. You did mention that that was a uh, ghetto, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, he, he, he did this interview and he pretty much said like that, like they had some show that would have American wrestling on and he said, that's the stuff I loved. I didn't care about the UWF or the more sports based stuff. Like, I love the American stuff
1: that's kind of fascinating because it's like how you know it, it's like a reverse weeaboo kind
0: of thing <laughs> yeah. maybe
1: not maybe i'm doing doing in a disservice but that's
0: well, i mean i mean it's just it's a taste thing like you sometimes you just something like captures you and i mean there is a charm to that Jim Crockett promotion stuff like it has yeah. this like gritty like dirty feel to it, and I could see like I could see maybe someone that was a teenager in Japan at the time like that aesthetic like kind of feeding that rebellious like teenager thing, yeah, like it's almost like if you think about it in like a in like an r era kind of thing, like Jim yeah. Crockett promotions is almost like the wrestling version of grunge for the eighties. Huh. Like it has well, that and... kind of like it it has that kind of dirty, you know, not quite completely like the rough edges aren't, you know, polished over and things like that.
1: Kind of like, well, I mean, Smoky Mountain was going for the same thing, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was.
1: So that's um and, and and i enjoyed watching the that whenever we did the was it bluegrass brawl that we covered
0: yes that okay yeah
1: I, I i enjoyed that i mean that was right in my wheelhouse <laughs> that's that's what my shows looked like so but um that was a yeah that that was a good match to start me out on so i appreciate that thank you
0: I'll have to get you into. I'll have to. I'll have to p- cherry pick you some um, World of Sport matches from the '70s. I don't know if you would like that, but I think the whole round system and it being a real map-based style with very few bumps. I think. I don't know if you would like it, but I think you might find it interesting.
1: Hmm. Maybe we'll put that on the list.
0: I'll throw some Johnny saying at you.
1: Why do I know that name?
0: um a lot of guys are big he was involved with Chikara a couple years ago he's he's very popular like if you've listened to a lot of shoot interviews his name probably gets dropped a lot
1: I have but I can't place it
0: Cole okay and talks about him a lot and a lot of the Chikara okay. guys do okay so.
1: um so the um yeah that was a good recommendation I appreciate it and uh I, I am kind of intrigued, so we'll work from there. What was the next uh, item you had on the list for tonight, Brad, so on our, we, um, our our cobbled together uh, itinerary? Yeah.
0: So we're kind of we've been we we're kind of toying around with some things to tweak into the show this year, just some things to maybe step outside of wrestling and kind of get into like maybe our personalities a little more. So one of the things we're kind of talking about doing is maybe an intermittent, like, what are we playing segment. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be long. Yeah. We're talking, like, maybe 10 or 15 minutes at the end of a show, like, once a month or something. Yeah. But we're going to do kind of a longer form today just because we had our guests fall through and Matt's not here, and we...
1: <laughs> we, we scrambled.
0: Th- yeah, we kind of scrambled, and I I had a crazy weekend, so, like, there wasn't really time to watch anything. Yeah. So. So
1: it's it's been a uh, it's been a shockmaster kind of time frame.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the really, wrestling related wise, the only thing I would actually want to talk about is the AEW TV deal, and Matt's not here, so you know, I'd want. Him we really want to have
1: Matt in on it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, so we're just gonna kind of talk about some video games we've been playing. Uh, and this is a good. This is good timing because uh, Shad and I have both been playing West of Loathing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh huh.
0: So why don't we why don't we kick off with that one? So, have you beaten it yet?
1: I haven't beaten it. Um, I went through a period where I didn't. I I, I played a bunch of it, and then I took some time off from it, and now I'm back into it. Um, the best description I can come up with is uh, it is a Stick figure, tongue-in-cheek western.
0: It's kind of like, you're almost, the narrator's almost like your DM, because there's some back and forth, because sometimes you kind of tell the DM to shove it and do what you want.
1: Yeah, there. well, there's, this is not spoilers. Early on, um, you go into a saloon, and there's a spittoon there. And if you start trying to look through it, then the narrator starts giving you guff about it. He's like, "Come on, really? This is gross." And the response is, "I know what I'm doing." Or that it's, you a know what you're at. Yeah. And what do you do? You end up, you know, pulling a stat boosting item out of this platoon. But the narrator's like, "Okay, so you have this ring, and it's gross. I hope you're happy." Um,
0: <laughs> I think you get like a stinky gun from one later in the game
1: there there is it's a latrine gun you're an outhouse gun or something like that okay. it does it does stink damage
0: <laughs> well I, I i did beat it i i want to do a second playthrough because i think i got about 80% of the way through the game and i realized like i really handled a lot of situations poorly mm-hmm. and i could have done it better and there were some situations that i could have solved but i didn't really realize until about halfway through that i could sit there and like, game my equipment to get my stats right?
1: Yeah, that was something that I wasn't doing very well either. Um, right up until there's a part when you cross the mountains. And until I crossed the mountains, I hadn't been paying that much attention to my gear, and I hadn't been using items in combat. Um, it so. kind of
0: forces you when you hit that, that middle area. Yeah, you have to start. You have to start paying attention.
1: Well, your difficulty ramps up in a big yeah. way, but it's fun. It's tongue in cheek. It's it's a little bit silly, and it's got some very um, inventive puzzles in it. I don't care much for the um, for the pickle thing, but that that annoyed me. But the other, you know, the other puzzles are fun.
0: I laughed my, did you get, have you gotten to the city where you have to, with, um, the city where you have to do all the red tape yet?
1: No, not yet.
0: Oh, because my, my, my wife got it right after I did. So we kind of played it through together Uh huh. and I did that like the day before she did. And I just heard her like swearing at it because there's this town where you have to do all this stuff and the game just screws with you for like a good 20 minutes. <laughs> and like makes you go to this other town To do something and then you go back And you realize like you didn't take the item Back from someone so you have to walk all the way Back to like get your oh, wow. Item and stuff and it just It's really funny but like there There's a point where you start Like it really does start like pissing You off Yeah in, like um, a, Not in like a rage quick kind of way but in a, Like oh you have to be kidding me Like it really makes you feel like your character
1: Yeah the okay, so amusing side note. I think that this whole thing got started for us when around Christmas Brad looked at my steam wish list and sent me this game. Yeah, is that right?
0: Yes
1: <laughs> So that was uh that was that was I, I had found it. I'd, I'd read a little bit about it. I liked the idea but I just hadn't gotten it and then all of a sudden here's like three of us plowing through it at about the same time
0: yeah it's it's a pretty short game like you can beat it in 10-ish hours
1: you could but like if you just tried to rip through it but you know you need to take your time and enjoy it and that'd be okay
0: i think my favorite part of the whole game is kellogg's farm have you been there yet
1: i have I have been I, to Kellogg Farm. So
0: if you know anything about like the actual like Kellogg and like why he did cereal and stuff, this whole farm is just him talking about like how people should eat healthy and not beat off. Yeah. Is like the whole like joke of that. And it, it's it's really great if you know anything about like if you know anything about like the actual Robert Kellogg.
1: Well, I mean that's where that's where cornflakes came from.
0: Yeah. So because he, he wanted to make bland cereal that was healthy but would also keep people from their urges.
1: Yeah. As weird
0: yeah. as and that it's,
1: sounds, it's true.
0: And this is very um It's 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 a relatively rare thing, but it satires it really well because it's very on the head, but it's very like it's very clever about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's not in your face, but and it's still funny and enjoyable. Yeah. So that's.
0: Also, Go the ahead. DLC is really good. The, the gun manner DLC for this is really good.
1: Um, also, just so you know, uh, exp- you can you can have lots of character slots. So experiment around with the different classes.
0: Yeah. And, and um, there's four companions you can start with.
1: Yeah, I haven't figured out the difference in the horses, but I kind of sussed out the difference in the companions.
0: You get you get a different achievement for the horses. I know like the the ghost horse can let you conjure zombies. OK, and then the little I know the little goblin guy is a pacifist, but I'm not sure how that affects gameplay.
1: I think it just affects your interactions with other goblins.
0: Okay, and then but then the, your your companions do level differently. Like so, I had shotgun Susie, and mm-hmm. uh, she would only level against cows. So I had to grind against cows. But my wife took Alice, and she would only level against, I think skeletons, maybe undead. It was skeletons okay. are undead. And yeah, crazy Pete will level against anything.
1: Yeah, because he's crazy.
0: Yeah listen I have-
1: the skeletons thing you all listening to it this you, you might hear it in your, level against skeletons okay it makes sense undead but cows trust me it makes sense in the game
0: oh yeah the cows it- are bastard people
1: <laughs> yes there is there is a there is like a, um, a an apocalyptic event referred to as when the cows came home so yeah. just if if you're intrigued by this dig into it and read about it
0: in the the game has a very strong like mythology to it because you're really it is a western but you're really in a post-apocalyptic western
1: yeah you you are but it's a western so it's not like it doesn't feel post-apocalyptic at least for a while it just feels like a goofy western
0: yeah <laughs> and also don't go and gun guns blazing on everything because a lot of situations can be solved without violence. And usually that's better because it gets you more stuff and it doesn't quite, um, shut you out of things. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the, here's the thing. If you're going to, if you're, if you have a series of quests, my, my advice from the start is go whole hog. You're either going to solve every situation peacefully, or you're going to murder everyone. And you have to keep that like through a, a quest series
1: okay so like when you yeah, get
0: like the wanted posters like either corral those bandits peacefully or kill them all don't do half yeah the way, half the other
1: because it it doesn't it doesn't work out right
0: yeah um
1: so west of loathing thumbs up very enjoyable um not expensive either fun little
0: uh no i think if you get it i think it's like 10 ish dollars normally but i think on sale it was like 16 no i mean at was like 650 i think it might be 15 normally
1: okay i don't remember it's definitely worth that let's put it that way
0: because it's because i because my first thought when when i beat it was i need to replay this because i did so much of it wrong well not wrong but i would redo a lot of it
1: yeah yeah um Okay, I'll throw out... I don't think I mentioned it on air. I think Matt and Brad might have heard enough about it that they're sick of me talking about it, but I'll throw this out there. Um, I've been playing... Um, and I, I'm. I guess I'm kind of late to the train on it, but I've been playing an asymmetrical multiplayer called Dead by Daylight, where you have five people in any given match. Four of them are survivors, and one of them is the killer. And it's... They have original concept ones and then they have uh, licensed characters. So the licensed characters, it's. They have Michael Myers. They have um, Freddy Krueger. They have um, Leatherface. You know, they've got. um, Oh, God, who am I forgetting?
0: They have the Stranger's they, Thing one, don't Strangers Yeah, Thing.
1: they have the Demogorgon. Um, and then they also have survivors in the same way. So you have Steve and Nancy from Stranger Things. You have Laurie Strode. You have Ash Williams, voiced by Bruce Campbell. One of the things you run into on a lot of the DLC is either they didn't procure, for whatever reason they didn't or they couldn't procure the likenesses and or the voices. So like Laurie Strode does not look or sound like Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, okay. Ash Williams Ash Williams looks like Bruce Campbell and is voiced by Bruce Campbell.
0: Well, they're pretty... <clears throat> the, the the Evil Dead crew are usually pretty liberal with their, like, licensing of that. Yeah. And so, Bruce Campbell, I think Bruce Campbell just... I think he, I think he I, gets a I kick out likes, of it. I think he just likes working.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think he just gets a kick out of doing stuff. And they they, they licensed it from uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, the series. Okay. <clears throat> but, um... It's... It, you know, you're either going to play as the survivors who are trying to escape the area, or the killer who's trying to find them all and throw them on meat hooks. And, um... you're going to run it i mean it's a it's a competitive game so you're going to run into some salty people sometimes but i've really been enjoying the gameplay for a while
0: and you said um, you usually play as the killer right
1: i do it playing as a survivor just i've done it but it just wasn't as fun for me so I, I i play as the killer because i i enjoy doing the hunting and looking around and and chasing and that sort of stuff there's a different wrinkle, by the way the The killers, they're all, like, first-person point of view. You know, any first-person game, Counter-Strike, whatever you can think of. The survivors are third-person, and you can rotate the camera around yourself. So while you're doing things, you can look around. And you know people panic whenever they're doing something, and they pan over and they see where your Michael Myers standing there staring at them. Because they freak out. Uh, I like to imagine that they scream looking at their computer screens. But that's just me. Different people have different tastes. Lots of people play both. I just don't get a big kick out of playing the Survivor is all.
0: Yeah, I can get that.
1: What about you, Brad? What's something else you've been playing lately?
0: Well, I have been playing Monster Hunter World. Okay. So I recently... uh, This never made it on air, but there is a saga over the month of December of me upgrading my computer and the um the adventure that that was where a little video card and CPU upgrade turned into the entire inside of my computer getting replaced so um <laughs> i could play monster hunter world before but like it just it would just make my my gpu way too hot mhm so um so they just had the dlc for that the iceborn hit a week ago so i decided to pick it back up from the start and um i've been enjoying that so if, if you've never played a monster hunter game before pretty much you make your character and then you have all these sorts of different weapon types your weapons are essentially your classes
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you can switch between these weapons freely then you go out into the wild you do these quests you hunt like different monsters up to like dragons sometimes you know it can be any number of things. Then they drop, you know, items, and then you can make better gear, which lets you kill more monsters. I mean, it's a pretty basic. It's a pretty the premise. Basic. Sounds pretty
1: straightforward.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, but there's there's a lot to it. Like the weapons all play very different. So you know, you pick things to your style. The the monsters. People will tell you it's a difficult game, but what I find a lot when people talk about modern games being super difficult, a mm-hmm. lot of times it just means you have to actually stop and think about what you're doing, mm-hmm. and you might die a couple times because you have to learn. It's not like the old like NES days where like the game was unfair.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> Ninja Gaiden, for example.
0: Oh, fuck that game.
1: Yeah, oh, man, I got right up to the the section of Ninja Gaiden where the only way to get past it is to glitch it, and I, I was done. That's all I had in me.
0: I, I think about the first Castlevania game a lot with those stupid Medusa heads and the little um little hunchback guys. Yeah, you know the the guys that you know the the things in those games that used to not. You, there was no way to attack them because they were too small mm-hmm. for like you to hit yeah in the olden days so i think of that game a lot so this one like the monsters you know have their own quirks their attack styles if um if you input commands like you're committed to that so you need to like it's not a game where you can just hack away you know you have to um you have to dodge you have like you might have to like pull away and get the safety and heal yourself or you might have to get away and like resharpen your weapons yeah. So then, you know, and then the monsters might do some things to you. Like they might try to run away and like heal themselves. I had a fight once with this raptor thing where it literally ran away and ran up to this giant T Rex thing and agitated it and got it to chase me to try and get away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it, and, you know, there are some hard fights in that. There are some hard fights where like, They might breathe fire, so, you know... There's prep to it, like, you need to, like... You need to do the right things, like, you need to take the right potions... And, and, you know, buff the right stats. You gotta know, like, the attack patterns and stuff like that. So, it it is a difficult game, but it's manageable. You just have to, like, learn. Yeah. And the monsters are all cool and have a lot of personality. Like, the game world itself is just absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And... It's not a game that you can sit down and play for like 20 minutes and move on because the missions do take a while. Yeah. So you need to commit about an hour to it if you're going to play it.
1: Sure, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing I've been playing is... Um, I got this in a Humble Bundle monthly, I think. It's called Slay the Spire. So what this is, is this is like a deck-building game. Mm-hmm. So you go on this kind of dungeon run, and then... You you pick your class and then you fight monsters up into the boss, and then you just try and survive as long as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you get experience so you can unlock some better cards. You know you upgrade your deck as you go. You you dump some of the crappy stuff. It's it's your typical deck builder in PC form, and it's got a rogue like element to it. Okay, and that that's a really good game of oh you know I have a half hour you know I'll I'll, I'll um. I'll go through a game or two of this.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me see. Oh, here, I've got one for you. This came out of... Uh, I've had this one for a while, but I'll periodically go back to it. Um, is this one's the, this was, I think, the 2002 remaster of it. <clears throat> Sid Meier's Pirates.
0: Oh, yeah, I saw you playing that. I, I played that uh, a, matri- a metric crap load on Xbox back in the day.
1: Yeah, it is a very it's it, it's more layered than people think it is. And it's a lot of fun. Um, you are a pirate in the Caribbean and you do piratey things. And you're also trying to find your lost family and there's sword fighting and there's ship combat. And there's and can, romancing can, like, governor's daughters.
0: And you can track down like famous pirates and try to kill them.
1: Uh, that's where you make some serious money.
0: Yeah. If, and there, you know, you... There's buried take treasure, a, too, I think.
1: There is. You've got to acquire the treasure maps. Um, all kinds of stuff. And it's... I go back to it because it's, it's more layered than you think, but it's still simple fun, too. Once you figure it out, it's not... Um... It's not hard... Well, depending on what you're doing and what you're good at. But it is, it's fun. And it's, part of that fun is in the simplicity.
0: And you don't have to, what I liked about that game is you don't have to engage parts of the game you don't want to. If you if you just want to get a boat and just straight up rob merchants on the open seas for hours at a time, like, that's a completely viable way to play it. Mm-hmm. And just make yeah, a uh, crap load of money.
1: yeah. Um. Absolutely, and, and, and just that's, get a I big mean,
0: fleet and go around causing trouble.
1: You can, you can, you can have a fleet of ships. Um, I've discovered that having something a little bit smaller actually works pretty well because if you steer it right, you can avoid cannon barrages and still just hammer a large, a big ship. And the Spanish galleons, which are some of the biggest ships in the games, are slow and cumbersome and um so i mean if you're wanting to play hard mode go for it uh get yourself one of those but
0: i would always uh, do i would always try to there i wouldn't go with the spanish galleons there was one like there was a mid-sized one with a lot of guns on it and that was the one i usually favored
1: that was either probably a some form of the brig or one of the slopes if i had to guess
0: yeah, but that's always what I would do is I would I would always get the most gun for my buck and just and then just destroy people.
1: Yeah, so it's, um, you know, it, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I even, it you know, 18 years after it came out, it's still worth doing.
0: Well, I think I, th- I think it's older than that. I think that's a remake of like a game from like the 80s.
1: It is. It's a game. It's a remake of a game from I think nineteen eighty eight, but the O two remaster is is totally worth getting.
0: I think there might even be like an NES like version of this out there.
1: I don't remember that being the case, but that doesn't mean it's not
0: there. Or there might be a Super Nintendo one. Mm hmm. But it's 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 a fairly old old game.
1: It, it is, but it's it's still fun. So,
0: yeah, I I like those because what's nice about that game is it is it respects your time like you can engage it for as long or as, as short as you need to.
1: That's true. That's a really good point.
0: Because a, pro- a problem I run into with a lot of these newer games is they expect you to like they don't give you a way to play it in bite sized chunks like they expect you to sit down and play it like a second job.
1: Yeah, that's. Oh, that's part of my problem. The part of the reason I could never get into WoW is that exact thing.
0: See, WoW's not as bad because WoW gives you catch-up mechanics. Like so in WoW, if you can't play for a week, you get you get you get a you you get the you get like what's called rested and the longer you're gone, the longer your character will get double XP.
1: But st- there's just so much st- especially when you get to the 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 end game content and now it's it's not levels you're trying to get gear and it's just oh god
0: they've 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 done better like they've they've done catch-up mechanics this time so like i played it over the summer and i was i think i had my gear score like within 15 points of max within like i mean it, it was a long time of playing but relatively like putting in an hour here and an hour there and like a couple hours a day on the weekend, I did. Okay. But I'm also, I'm also experienced at the game though. So, because I have like, I've played it off and on for pretty much since it released. So, you know, it's, it's like, it's one of those games. It's like Diablo where once you've leveled up once you can do it like extremely fast in comparison the next time.
1: Well, it's um, uh, this is a whole thing for another time. We'll we'll get we'll get more into WoW stuff another time. It's just it's making me exhausted just thinking about it right now.
0: <laughs> well, I know I know you kind of got hosed the way you got introduced because no one played with you. They wanted you to like catch up on your own, and that was yeah.
1: Happen. That that was the initial introduction. Um,
0: I had See, I some don't... friends
1: later on that weren't that way, but it. That that initial thing really soured the well for me.
0: See, for me where I where I lose it with endgame is like if you get in a guild that's like chill and everything and just wanna like hang out and have some fun, that's fine. Mm. It's like the guilds that want you to like raid like three nights a week and it's like I don't have I don't have like twelve hours a week to raid with right. you guys. To get like one piece of gear that I'm gonna be able to use. Yeah. Like I might be able to I might I might choose to raid with you once a week and you know I might miss that every now and then but like I can't do it three nights a week.
1: Yeah. Uh, I had some friends I played it with for a while. Uh I can't remember which expansion it was. I think it it may it was probably um Warlords. And I was a pretty decent fire mage for that.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, not to make a pun, but I burned out on it. I was just like, no, I'm. First of all, they played Alliance and I really wanted to play Taran. And then second, it was just, I'm. it just, it finally burned me out.
0: Yeah, I was trying so. to grind. Um... Well, I stopped playing because of Blizzard just being a bunch of scumbags, but we won't go into yeah. that. But I was grinding. Um... I was grinding rep to unlock a race of trolls.
1: Zandalari. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't so bad. Like the world map, the world events have made it a little better because then you can just see what's on the map and look at them and be like, Oh, well that event would be easy and it's going to give me 200 gold. Like I'll just go fly over there and do that real quick. Or, Oh, Mm -hmm. that one has like this and I can do that. So, that made it a little better and like let you at least come, you know, sign on and be like, oh, you know, I'm going to do my world quests and get like this, this reputation boost for the week. Um, but I see, I, you know, MMOs are not for everyone.
1: Nah. City of Heroes. Um, City of Heroes was the one that really got me because I didn't even mind soloing in City of Heroes yeah I mean that really just played into my
0: See, um, City of Heroes when I played it wasn't super solo friendly yet so
1: I played it early on and on and off through the rest of its life and now it's back which is pretty awesome but yeah they've done some improvements
0: I've actually been Uh, playing a bit of Star Wars Galate no no that's the old one sorry I'm being old um (laughs) <laughs> Star Wars the Old Republic. I've been playing that a bit off and on the last couple months and I've been enjoying that a lot. Okay. but that, but that one's super solo friendly until you get to endgame, like you can pretty much teach, treat that like a solo player game. So it okay. has like a decent story. So in that one I'm like a I I don't think I'm a commando. I think I'm just a soldier. Yeah. So like I'm doing this stuff on Corset and stuff, but I'm just some like dude in the military like doing my job. Yeah. And things um, happen like so it's it's a fun little it plays like an MMO but it's it's a fun little and it's a nice it's actually funny with that game how much more care and like love went into some of those stories that went into like the recent Disney movies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's it's it's rough. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna leave the I'm not gonna get the soapbox out on that one.
0: No, so
1: Brad, what was the next uh, topic you had on the list?
0: Um, that was that was most of it. Um, like I said, we it, it, the I mean, it, did that happen last week? So AEW re signed for till 2023 and the number that Meltzer threw out there is 45 million dollars a year for Mm -hmm. that deal so um they they've made it and I think they're good to go financially
1: I think they are um they I think they've reached a self-sustaining point and they're getting another hour show out of it
0: yeah I think I think I think it's going to be dark going to TV, but I'm not sure yet.
1: You know, whatever. Uh, it, I Even if I don't love everything that they're doing, I do like that there is an honest-to-God, legitimate competitor for the major U.S. market in this, and they're doing different
0: stuff. I did like the segment uh, where Moxley pretended like he was joining the inner circle. Yes, that was
1: Excellent, Because no one, it, it's like no one ever does a, a, you think back, the NWO and and other, uh, and every other incarnation of the NWO, I guess. No one ever does a fake-out join. And yet, Mox totally did that, and it was awesome. So it, it makes Mox actually look he looks he it makes him look smart and it also he doesn't totally undercut the group because whenever they start coming at him he you know he's already dropped jericho he drops sammy Guevara, but when hager hits the ring he just bails he's like nope 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 out
0: they did it remember um when sting joined the wolf pack he did the fake out uh Remember he came out and he pulled it off and he had the white NWO shirt and Hogan like hugs him and Hogan goes to pull away and Sting holds onto his hand and clotheslines him and then body slams the giant and rips the shirt off and he's got the red wolf pack shirt on underneath
1: It's it that always bothered me for 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 what Sting was for such a long time there was no way that he should have be should have been joining any NWO, but
0: but um, I I like that segment. I also I've liked Dark and the the rotating cast of guest announcers. Like I was yeah. really tickled that they had uh, Dave Brown on a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, actually the Memphis the Memphis tribute they did I thought was really cool.
1: That was on. Uh, that was a Dark thing, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, because they had the rock and roll out there. They had Doug Gilbert um leap and lanny poffo was out was there um who else was there
1: boy i gotta tell you of of all the shoot interviews i've ever watched his is definitely one of the most different
0: He's he's an interesting guy
1: <laughs> he's a different kind of guy so I think the problem
0: with him is he's just like a really normal dude
1: that's not the the vibe I got, but on the other... He's one of the guys that it, the, the whole... I was a wrestler on a televised TV show, did not seem to go to his head.
0: He seems like he would be just some, like, theater dude in college. Like, he has some of that, like, weird eccentricity to him, but he's not, like... He just... You wouldn't think of him as a wrestler.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement to make. Um... And then it, the, uh, the the thing that stuck out to me is um, I think Sean Oliver was asking him about, you know, why, uh, why the Hall of Fame thing whenever Randy had said that. And he said, well, listen, it had fallen to me to make this decision. And I, I went to m- our mother and I said, listen, someone has to honor Randy for what he did. And if we don't do this, no one's ever going to do it. So I'm going to make the decision that we're going to go with it. And I was just like, you know what? The it, it, it his whole thought process wasn't what's in it for me. It was my brother deserves to have this respect given to him, even you know, posthumously. So you know, it, it should happen. I'm like, you know what? That's that's you know, I I, I can get behind that.
0: Yeah, Doug Gilbert kind of comes across that way, too.
1: So, um, maybe we'll just kind of dovetail for a second into other shoot interviews I've watched that, or shoot interviews that we've watched that have been interesting. Uh, Mandy um,
0: Fernandez's one is just, because he is just off his butt. <laughs> because <laughs> he's got, like, no teeth now, and he just, like, he's just... Because usually I I really only like the Sean Oliver one because he's the only guy that like knows how to ask people questions and like get like good things out of them. Yeah, everybody else is
1: just like thoughts about this thing. And they're they're, they'll tell you whatever they feel like telling you or not telling you. But Sean knows how to dig a little bit. He's not trying to make it uncomfortable, but he knows he's like, look, we're looking for this kind of stuff. What can you tell us about
0: it? And, and I also like with him, like he, he does like, he has like segments on his show. Like when I, when I do the Sean Oliver mm. ones, like I'm always in it for like the hoe bag and the dick bag. And, uh, um, That's let's see. always like.
1: There's a, there's a, there's a, a trifecta. It's the hoe bag, the dick bag, and what's in the bag. Yeah. And those are always really enlightening. Um. And it kind of breaks it up because it's not just like, well, what do you think about this guy? Well, what do you think about this guy? Well, what do you think about this guy? The only time that got really entertaining for anybody was whenever they did with the Iron Sheik. And the Iron Sheik flipped out on like 18 of 20 guys. And, you know, he's, he's taking a, a mostly full beer that he was drinking whenever they said the name and throwing it across the room. But... You know, I like you said, Sean makes, Oliver knows how to mix it up.
0: I also think that that's what makes his um, his better, is he gets them a little liquored up first.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Did, did you ever um, watch the... Uh, I think it was the RF video that they did with the New Age Outlaws? Because those Maybe. guys were high... Like they're going into this, and they are so high. Billy Gunn's sitting there eating cheeseburgers through like the entire, the entire interview. <laughs> I, I and that's like when that. they denied. I'm sorry. That's oh, when God. they denied working. Is like the the you know what were your thoughts about working with the Noon Midnight Express? And Billy Gunn, they kind of look at each other, and Billy goes, "We never worked them." Are you sure? Yeah, me and Bart did. Okay, bad question. Next one. And then there was a Botchamania where he points out, it's like, the new Midnight Express was Bart Gunn and um, and and Bob Holly, which means that Bart Gunn worked on both teams on both sides of the feud.
0: I don't think they ever did work the new Midnight, though, but I don't think it lasted very long.
1: They, they did, but it was... It was short because that that whole um, NWA invasion thing just did not work.
0: No, and some of those guys don't remember anything, so that you know that's pretty <laughs> normal. Um,
1: other, I mean, you go back the original RF video Cornette shoot interview kind of kicked everything off. That's kind of I think that's kind of where the the shoot interview craze really started from.
0: There's one with Kevin Nash talking about what it was like booking TV for WCW that really yes illuminated a lot of stuff cuz he was talking about how an injury here could affect the show like cuz the way they did Thunder was so like weird.
1: Yeah. It was that was so enlightening as to why Thunder didn't make any sense. Um
0: because they but... shot it so they shot like cuz I think what happened is they would shoot like the thunder that would air, like, let's say, let's say thunder was still on. like, the thunder that would air this Thursday would get taped before the Nitro that would happen this Monday. Yes. And so, it's- and so something could happen on Nitro, like, someone could get hurt on Nitro or something, or get hurt in the interim, that would screw that thunder up that was, that was taped yeah. so far in advance.
1: Yeah. And it, it, oh man. Oh, that just, um, it just, he had to
0: use it. He had to, he had to like draw it out. Like he had to make a graph to like explain it.
1: Yeah. He, he, he made a timeline on like a flip chart to show them just how yeah. screwed up it was, which made so much sense. Like looking back on it, it's like, oh, that's why it was. That's really stupid. But that's why it was that way. Um, yeah. The Nash's is interesting to me because if you get Kevin Nash talking about anything that's not Kevin Nash, he gives like some really interesting and insightful commentary and you know talking about other guys and things like that. But then if you get Nash talking about Nash, the the BS just stacks up, you know.
0: I can't hate on the guy, though, after reading his tweets about, like, all that rehab he did just to have his legs, like, straight again, just like... Yeah,
1: I saw... Oh, man, I saw those pictures.
0: Oh, that first one's heartbreaking of his, like, fucked up, like, deformed leg.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he even said in that interview that it took him, like, an hour to get out of bed every morning. Oh, and it's... I know, right? So, um...
0: Why was he still doing it? Like I don't like, I think
1: that was after he hung it up. Oh, but like he had
0: to have known like it just he didn't have the bo- I mean, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but I mean, I think the dude just didn't have the body for what he was doing to it.
1: Yeah, um
0: but I think he I think he ended up in wrestling because he had he was getting like knee problems from basketball.
1: Yeah. That's that's a Bill Watts thing. Like Kevin Nash is a basketball player; he ain't gonna whoop anybody, but he looked good on TV. <laughs> um, the, uh, but it's it, if he the only thing that I really got a kick out of where Nash was talking about himself because, like I said, in Nash talking about himself, the BS stacks up. But right after. Um, I think it was right after the uh, whole Benoit thing went down. Nancy Grace is running her mouth about steroids. And they had, okay, I might not be remembering this right. So if I'm not, bear with me. But on one show, they had Mark Marrow on and they had Steve Blackman on. And Mark Merrow says all this stuff and Steve Blackman just like totally obliterates it. I w- I'd want to see this video, but I don't want Nancy Grace's name in my search history. And apparently there was one where Kevin Nash called in. And so she starts talking. He says, lady, have you ever taken steroids? And she goes, well, no. He goes, well, guess what? I have. And you can't do the kind of stuff you're talking about because it'll kill you immediately. And I'm just like, there we go. You know, it, it's it's I, I just enjoyed hearing stories about her getting shut up.
0: <laughs> I hate uh, her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's other. Never,
0: you know, she's never admitted she was wrong about the Duke lacrosse players. No. She's just a vile human being. She never
1: admitted she was wrong about anything. I don't think. No. Um. Other. other hey, interviews you know, that... hey,
0: a pretty, pretty white girl goes missing and she gets like six months of content out of it. Yeah. Never the ugly ones.
1: <laughs> um, let me see. I'm trying to think. i I've got uh, I've got an external hard drive that has a whole. Uh, I, I found
0: the too cold Scorpio one to be pretty fun, but he's um he's very energetic.
1: Yeah, Scorpio. I haven't watched all of it. Scorpios is a little uh. <sighs> Uh, Scorpios can be a little back and forth. I think.
0: I my um, favorite my favorite quote from that one was what was the hoe bag and he's like Moolah. It's like that old time bitch. Like I probably would have stuck her back in the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was all about that. Um, let me see. I've got. I'm trying to remember because I, I had the Insane a bunch Clown of these Posse things.
0: one is pretty good, but they're you know they're they're who they are.
1: If if you can deal with, and let's let's call a spade a spade. If you can deal with listening to a pair of stoners or watching a pair of stoners in clown makeup talk about wrestling for a while, it's intriguing.
0: And they they uh, had legit careers. Like they didn't just get picked up as trash. Like they talk about like working like Detroit indies. Like with old ass like Bobo Brazil and the Sheik still wrestling each other.
1: Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm trying to remember, uh, there, I'd have to dig my old hard drive out because I've got a bunch of stuff stacked up on Um, it.
0: Billy Jack Haynes is fun, but he's also insane. (laughs) Cause he'll talk about seeing people like murdered and stuff. You never know like where he's going to go. The,
1: um, The, uh, that was something about the Manny Fernandez one is Manny Fernandez says about everybody. He's like, oh, he ain't nothing. I could take him. Oh, he ain't nothing. I could take him. And they're like, what about Ming? And he's like, yeah, about Ming. Um, (laughs) There's one with, um, uh, nobody want nothing out of Ming.
0: There's one with Raven and the honky tonk man, like just talking to each other that I enjoyed a lot back in the day. Okay. And uh, there's there's a one with Jim Cornette and Percy Pringle that I liked a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, that was fun because I get to sit around and tell old stories of working in uh, Louisiana.
0: And that's where you find out about um, The Undertaker, like, hating cucumbers. Hate
1: cucumbers, yeah. That's such yeah. a weird thing. Like, not a, like, afraid of them, too. Like, he didn't just hate them, like, doesn't want to eat them. But no, like he,
0: he talked about, he talked about they were at a Waffle House once, and he came back, and there was a cucumber in his tea, and he like threw up all over the Waffle House. Yeah, <laughs> man, he just hates.
1: Um, you know what? Shane Helms did a really good shoot interview. Shane Helms is the kind of guy who doesn't, um, he doesn't burn bridges with anybody, but he has a lot of really good insight. And uh, he he tells a lot of good stories about that, and uh, I haven't gotten to watch all the DDPs yet. I, I want to, but I, I I haven't gotten to watch it. Um. Oh God, I'm forgetting somebody.
0: Jake the Snake's Joe Rogan appearance was really good.
1: Yeah. Um. His stories about Andre were excellent.
0: Yeah, and I also thought DDP's Joe Rogan appearance was pretty I, good.
1: I haven't, I haven't listened to it. It's for as much of a as a page mark as I am. You'd figured out of run his stuff down, but I haven't yet. Um, who was it that was talking about the? Because one of the intriguing things to me when it comes up is when they talk about the wrestler court stuff, and in Shane Helms saying like, "Look, man, here's what you need to do." The Undertaker's the one that usually presides over wrestlers' court. He drinks Jack Daniels. The other guys drink this. You start by making amends with them. <laughs> and did you, uh, that,
0: did you have that wrestler court stuff like in your? No, 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 and,
1: and we never had
0: that. There's I get the enough.
1: impression. I just I get the impression it's kind of more of a uh, company specific thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, how did you guys deal with, like, I don't know, what, what can we call them? Um, habitual fuck-ups? Did they just <laughs> not get booked anymore?
1: Um, we didn't, yeah, that was the usual thing. But we had one guy who would come around and his, um, he was generally used as a job guy. But I mean, if he did the worst that happened to him was, uh, I, I mean, he did a, a, like an egregiously bad sell at one point and got stiffed for it. And then he did one to me once. Like uh, I used to used to do this. I liked that Ricky Steamboat did this flying chop thing, so I would go up to the second rope and do this – maybe flying is not the right word, but this hopping chop off the second rope, right? This this overhand chop to the head kind of thing. So, And when I would hit, it, I would do the chop, and then I would go feet, knees, elbows, right? So I would go ka-thung, ka-thung, ka-thung with all the impact. It makes it sound heavier. And usually whenever guys take the chop, they go they would just go down with it. Well, I do that to this guy one night, and I looked, I turned my head to my right, and he's still standing there, and then he cuts a front bump off of it. Cause he thought that would be a good sell. The only way that works is if you cut the front bump immediately on impact, but I never landed on anybody like that. I just did it so that they could just take a back bump and that would be okay. And I was so pissed when I got back to the locker room. I came through the back, and like, they're like, "How was the match?" I said, "Wow. Um, if I were to tell you it sucked balls, you'd start having an idea." And they like, they start laughing because they never hear me talk about that with anybody. They're like, what happened? And I tell them like, "Well, well," okay. and they're they're still like, "I'm so keyed up about it." They're like, what'd you want them to do? I said, "Just bump. Just do what what we teach you to do in your first training session. Just bump. Just bump off of it." I go in the locker room and he kind of comes in, he goes, I heard some guys say you weren't happy with that bump. I said, what in the, like, I ended up kind of giving him down the road about it. I was like, what were you, what in the hell were you thinking? he said, well, I thought it would look good if I did that. I said, never, ever do that again to me. Okay. Never do that again. And, um, the same guy tried to, I, I, I was using the impaler DDT as a finish for a while but whenever I would take you up I wouldn't cinch up like whenever you got up then I would loosen and let you control your fall so that you could you could handle your impact right
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he dropped his own self on his head and then he started trying to give me a hard time about it I said no that's on you man that is Was that it, is entirely on you
0: is it like those guys that take the style cl- Styles Clash and then injure themselves because they tuck their head yeah
1: Worse than that, Um, because it's, because, like, whenever I would bring you up, like, nobody, I I wouldn't, like, take you up in a suplex and then drop you for a DDT, because, no. But you'd go up for it, and then when I loosen up, you can, like, pull your legs up or put your arms under you or something like that. He just kept everything there and kept his head out. And just and just went went down on it, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, "Dude, I wasn't stopping you. Nothing about what happened there is is on me. I took you up, and then I let you handle your stuff."
0: So can I and- ask you a question about about guys like that at that level that are working as job guys? Like, what keeps them? What keeps them as job guys? Do you know or Is the, uh, it, it might be a more hypothetical question.
1: Well, I, I I need for you to restate it for me, please.
0: So, so that guy there, that was working as a job guy for like your promotion, right? So, what keeps a guy like on that level as a job guy for like an indie promotion? Like, what keeps him just, from like moving up?
1: He, that he sucks. That he so a, he never. It, it, his problem was that when he was trained. He was trained how to bump and run the ropes and take a beating. That's it. Nobody ever talked to him about psychology. Nobody ever talked to him about offense. Nobody, like, all that stuff. Nobody taught him that. And he never did say, listen, I'd like to work on this. Can you help me, like, get better with this, right? Because, you know, he he had a cowboy kind of gimmick going on. That's fine. If you're doing a cowboy gimmick, What's the one thing that you ought to be able to do really well is throw a Lariat, right?
0: Or do a bulldog.
1: Couldn't, though. Uh, Nothing. And another but, issue that we had is that he was
0: I, I don't understand he that he was the
1: smallest guy on the roster.
0: Uh, um I don't understand that though. Like, so I feel like I, I haven't been trained, but I feel like I feel like with training, like there's some things through basic osmosis that I would be able to do and not be a danger doing. And I feel like throwing a lariat or a bulldog would probably be two of those things that I would probably be able to do, believably, without being a danger to you. Um,
1: you would think that, but it's a little more complicated than you might think.
0: Like, I'm saying, like, some other moves, like, I understand, like, the danger of those, but I'm saying, like, I feel like through osmosis, especially if you're working in the ring, like, you should be able to pick up, like, basics.
1: You, well, let's not overestimate the ability of some people, right? Well, like, yes, there's some true. there are some folks who want to do it, but have no natural ability in that direction.
0: Ah, that would make sense.
1: And then there are some folks who just, they don't ever think. They just, they, they want to be a wrestler, so they go out there, and then they don't ever think about what they're doing. And the other part to it is that um, he, you have some, some scuzzy promoters that will quote-unquote train guys to be on their shows, and then just beat them up so that they can look good. And they don't ever bother finishing their training. They're just like, all right, I'm done with you, go away. And if if you if you get stuck in that role, it's hard not to break out. yeah you get that you get that label attached to you and it's hard to break out. And so I,
0: I so it's just kind of a self feeding like vicious circle after a while.
1: Yeah, and I ended up getting booked against him a lot because I could get a reaction out of working with him because either I was I looked like such a prick or um i you know my stuff looked so vicious everybody felt bad for him right or as as a baby face i was in in the places i worked as a baby face i was just over as a baby face i'm still not entirely sure how because i thought that i was i felt like i was a pretty bland baby face um but,
0: you know what? The like those sometimes the those bland faces are what people want, though.
1: Well, I get the impression it's kind of a self-insert thing. It's like I I can identify with something about this guy, therefore I like him more. Um, it's kind of like the One Direction songs. You know how One Direction never specifies anything about the girl they're singing about, so it's yeah. easy for their fans to imagine themselves in that role. Like. Uh, a bland baby face might be a similar kind of effect, if that makes any sense. Like it's easy to imagine yourself being like that guy, um, so that you know he's not that different from you. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have a good handle on it.
0: Hey, I have uh, a question. Yeah. He got signed to Impact, and I don't think we talked about it on the show. But did you ever? I know Alex talked about him yeah. working with him a lot. Did you ever work with Larry D? I did work with Larry D. I
1: worked a show. Uh, I worked
0: a match with Larry D.
1: in Moorhead, Kentucky. Um, Larry D. is he's kind of an institution in the northish Kentucky Ohio area because he's been around for a long time he knows what he's doing he's um you know he's good at it and he's easy to work with like the dude's a brick you look at him and you don't get this idea that he's um you don't get this idea that you know he's he's I don't know skinny or a pushover or anything he's he's a brick but he's also, he's so good at what he does. He's one of the few people I've ever worked with that could do his spear without actually trying to cut you in half with it. Uh-huh. And he made, in front of a crowd that didn't know me, he was willing to make me look good even though he was going over. Mm. So, you know, I'm having this match with him and they haven't ever seen me before so i'm leaning into the martial arts gimmick a bit and i got my belt on and i'm i'm throwing my kicks and my strikes and that sort of stuff and we're in the match and like this is without me and him like talking at all we just kind of go out there and do this so i'm doing some stuff and he bails out and his guys out there is like what are you doing running from this guy why are you running look at this guy he's wearing a karate belt what are you doing and larry's just like i can't get a hold of him i can't get a hold of him and you know he comes back in, and he ends up taking over, but it worked, you know, and he was willing to do that, and it, you know, it made the match better.
0: So, so since we can call him, I guess, a a big league talent now, is was he is he also one of those guys where like he made everything just look and feel like easy? Like is he one of those guys? I know you've talked you talked about it with the guy you had the chain match with, just how. Mm-hmm how natural they are at it
1: um larry is very good at doing things that that they look good but they don't kill you Mm -hmm. and um the colby was very good about that the easiest dude i ever worked on that was a guy named uh, ronnie roberts who's he's still kicking around now part of it is that ronnie was like He's he's a few inches shorter than me, but he's he's yeah, he's a skinny dude. Now it works. He's really athletic, but he was like half my volume. But we're doing this show in this town called McKinney, where these guys love this. The people in McKinney love their wrestling. You threw put a wrestling show on there. People came out for it, and they were excited for it. So I'll go out there to do this this match with Ronnie Roberts. And this is the first time we've met. We talked a little bit in the back, and we go out there to do it. And I'm doing this sequence, right? Uh, I'm doing this sequence because it's, um, you know, it's it's something I came up with. It's just like I'm, I'm I'm putting, like, sequences of three moves together because one, two, three, pinfall, and it makes a nice sequence. So I do a hip toss, I do a scoop slam, I do a back rushing leg sweep, and then I float out. I hit the back rushing leg sweep and then I roll over for the pin, right? It was like I wasn't even doing anything. That's how light, how easy he was to work with. As he comes at me and I go to do the hip toss and I I go and I'm moving my arm and he's moving the same speed and same time my arm is, but I'm not doing anything. I pick him up for the scoop slam and I'm moving my arms. But it's like I'm just like waving him in the air. He's not actually there. I, I go through and do the whole thing. He takes the scoop slam, but it's like I'm not ha- actually having to do anything. We do the Russian leg sweep, and I float over. He goes, what do we do now? I said, that went so good, I almost don't know. <laughs> like, it went so smooth and so easy. So I put him in the corner, and I start working on him. And, you know, he rolls out, and he's got a manager with him. And I go out after him, and uh, – you know, you know he cheap shots me, and he goes to whip me. He goes to reverse me. I was like, okay, like I, I thought he was taking over at this point to do some heel stuff, and I reversed him into the into the. Uh, they had like guardrails, actual guardrails set up there, and he goes into that, and then the crowd is shouting, "Are behind you, behind you!" I can't not. So I turn around, and here comes his manager with the Kendo stick, and this was the guy. This was, um, oh god. I can see his face, and now I'm going to forget his name.
0: Is it the guy you he, guys talked about with you and Alex? With and Alex, yeah.
1: Yeah. Jim, Jim, I can't remember his Oh, God, I feel bad now.
0: I, I would know the name if I heard it, but...
1: Yeah, but it, yeah, I turn and I look at him and I point, because it's like he's sneaking up on me with this. He could have just swung, right? But instead, he like begs off from me, and I'm just thinking, it's like, man this is, and the crowd is like molten for it and i'm just thinking wow this is what it's like to work with really good people <laughs> and and ronnie went over and that's fine it's not a big deal people you know they loved it they really did and that's that was that's the important thing right some guys will lose focus on it that's the important thing so yeah, it was a yeah. It was a See, um,
0: The common theme here seems to be they aren't selfish and like the better the guys get the less selfish they are.
1: Well, that's yeah. Really because nobody wants to watch a bunch of squash matches. That's not that's not fun. The only time that works is if you're making someone a heel and they're squashing a bunch of people and being a prick about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, that's that's really the only time it works. They want people are paying their money. They want to see something they can sink their teeth into, and guys who are good understand that you got to give a little to get a little. And if there's enough back and forth, people are going to be engaged and they want to see more.
0: So this is a conversation we had offline, and and you said I actually nailed like the psychology of of the Kentucky crowds a lot, and that was you have to give them the why of things. Like, you can't just... Yeah. You can't just do things to do things like kind of works elsewhere. Like, they need a why. Like, why did you do that? Like, why was that move successful? Like, they, they need...
1: Right. Like, if we're just going to go out there and have a match, and I'm a big dude, and I suddenly throw a drop kick, they're they're not going to say anything. They're just going to be like, okay... But, you know, if you're if you're giving the guy down the road and then suddenly a big guy and you throw a drop kick, they're going to be into it because it's like, oh, man, he was hitting him. He was hitting him. He was hitting him. He had him up there and then he set him up. and He did a big drop kick and put him down. It was so cool. Like you they're willing to go with you. Like they're not they're not the it's still real to me guy. They want to they want to see it. and They want to enjoy the show. But you can't just assume that they're going to go there. You gotta you you've gotta tell them why, like you said. And um,
0: it sounds like like when we talk about like kind of I guess the more stereotypical smart crowds that they sound like they're more skeptical in a certain way than um than like what the typical crowd you would see is. they're they're
1: they're nitpicky. That's a a really smart crowd is nitpicky. And I, 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 this is going to be weird, but I understand finally where, you know, after many years, I finally came to the understanding of why, like, old-timers and stuff will be derogatory about flippy shit is because people there, – there's a lot of people that can do that, and they just do it based off the assumption that, oh, I can just do this and people will love it, so I don't have to know how to do more. Yeah. And they don't they don't build the why into it. And so you have you know, you have a bunch of, of flippy shit that just happens.
0: See, and I agree with people when they say stuff like that where where the old timers lose me is when they crap on things like like say Orange Cassidy or Marco Stunt.
1: Uh, it it it's I, I think that it's such a different flavor of ice cream than what they're used to that they recoil from it
0: yeah
1: i mean orange cassidy is uh like most of his gimmick is the joke that everybody's in on like everybody knows that this is a gag if orange cassidy didn't want to be a wrestling show if he didn't care that much then he wouldn't be there
0: yeah, but even, he even has psychology, though, because there was this interaction with Pocky he had over a couple of weeks where Pock obliterated him with some move.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then he went to do that move a couple weeks later, and Orange Cassidy ducked it that time because he learned.
1: Yeah, and he, he it was easier just not to get hit by it. Yeah. But it's... <sighs> there's, there's a certain amount of... Um... I guess, nostalgia that plays into it for the, not the, we've always done it this way, but the, um, it's, it's
0: just, just to go off, off course a little bit. There is an Orange Cassidy match with, uh, Jordan Grace that's on YouTube. That's hilarious because they do the test of strength spot. Yeah, like locks up with her and then he starts slowly putting his hands in his pockets. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> that one I've seen pieces of that match and my favorite is I guess Jordan Grace uses a pump handle slam of some sort. Yeah. And she goes to do the pump handle slam, but he's put his hands back in his pockets, so she can't get the other arm for the pump handle. So he just kind of spins and steps out of her grip and walks away. <laughs>
0: There's, there's a clip <laughs> going around that, that you'll probably see where um he has a water bottle and he's okay. too lazy to open it. And Chris Starlander walks up and opens it for him and then sprays him with water. Okay. And then he doesn't really react.
1: Right. I haven't seen it yet.
0: It's just uh, going around now. The,
1: the I think the thing that we run into, you, you might hear some old timers sometimes say, you know, oh, they don't make cars like they used to. Well, uh, no, they don't. But it's still the same basic thing. It's a combustion engine, four wheels, and a body that carries you somewhere, right? It's still the same basic thing, but now it's got a a fresh look on it, or maybe there's a little bit more to it. Most wrestling crowds, you, you can't assume... That they are always gonna. If you're trying to do stuff that's too subtle, you can't always assume they're gonna catch what you throw at them.
0: That's and, and probably
1: the, th- the downfall of the original Bray Wyatt cult leader gimmick is that he was throwing more at the crowd than the crowd as a whole was gonna pick up.
0: But I think, like, I think especially like going back to Orange Cassidy, like, I think you can't deride that when he gets tagged in in matches and the crowd like literally gets on their feet and starts, like, going absolutely insane for him.
1: Freshly squeezed. Freshly squeezed. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's, if, if I had had an old, old old-timer say that to me, then my response would have been, what, okay, what, what's the point of what we're doing out there? It's to be over, right? And he's over listen to that crowd he's over you may not like it, but he is over so we can't we can't just discount this out of hand like that, that that doesn't work but some people are gonna remain that way and you know they they're going to there's there's nothing nothing to be done about it um
0: and I don't I don't understand like why. What's wrong with variety, like up and down the card?
1: I, I don't know. I really don't get the the old three ring circus idea. If you don't like the flippy shit, then we're gonna have some grappling stuff. And if you don't like the grappling stuff, we're gonna have some brawling stuff. That's good. That's variety. So if- You're not watching the same thing. You're not watching the same godforsaken Tower of Doom spot three matches in a row.
0: Yeah, because you've talked about you've talked about your career. On the air a bit. And I would tend to say, like, where you worked was more, tended to be more serious than other places. But you've talked about yeah. some of the goofy, like, shit you did. And people loved like, it. Like, the proctology thing? Yeah. The Malibu medics with the proctology spot.
1: People loved it because sometimes people want to laugh, too. They're feeling good. They're having a good time. They want to laugh, too. So you know what? Do something that'll, they'll either laugh or they'll have a good time with. That that there is why no way Jose would, I'm convinced would still get a still get a pop, is because he comes out and everyone's dancing and having a good time and that's fun. Let them have some
0: fun. Like one of the best one of the best matches I went to live was at a Chikara show and it was a Los Ice Cream verse. I think it was Blind Rage was his name. And they do a, te- a, a, a test of strength spot. And they get out of the ring and they go through the crowd doing the test of strength spot for the whole the whole match. Like they go through the whole building. They get back in the ring. The lowest Ice Cream gets him like on the ropes while they're still doing it. And just lets go to the spot. He face plants. He pins him. That's the end of the match. And then Blind Rage gets up. And he literally points at a baby in the crowd and starts blaming this baby for his loss. Right. Well, it was hilarious. It was like it was literally like a three minute match, but it was hilarious. And it's so
1: ridiculous that you can't help but laugh. It's like, okay, you got beat. Now you're trying to place blame. Not only are you trying to place blame on someone who wasn't involved in the match, you're pointing at a baby to place blame. That's. That is absurd, and absurd is funny. I love absurd. Uh, it, if I could go back now, I would have done some more absurd stuff in my career. I absolutely would have.
0: That's kind of like what the problem I had when I've gone to like Ring of Honor shows is like by hour four, like I do not need to see. Like you said, I don't need to see the same dive through the ropes in the exact same spot that the last three matches have because yeah. I'm over it.
1: The shine is off the apple now. Yeah, I don't. I don't care. Everybody can do it. I don't. I don't care. I'm uh, qu- stop doing
0: that. Cause like the last one I went to, it was hour four, and um, it was it was actually the the Viking house party experience versus. Um, <laughs> Christopher Daniels and Kazarian. Yeah. And they brought the plunder out and no one had done that all night. And you know what? Like your eyebrows immediately go up because, ooh, there's plunder.
1: There's, it's something different.
0: Yeah. Look, how? Actually, my well, I'm favorite gonna... spot from that match was, so they take Kazarian, they body slam Christopher Daniels on top of him and then Hanson hits the ropes and then Roe just, body slams Hansen on top of both of them.
1: Yeah. Here okay. Here, here's my my favorite my favorite example of exactly what you just said. If you go back to any of the WCW Road Wilds, they those guys don't want to see a scientific wrestling match. They had there was a Road Wild that had one crazy plunder match. One crazy no DQ Stuff Everywhere match.
0: Are are we doing the Public Enemy putting Tokyo Magnum through like eight tables stacked on top of each other?
1: Exactly. It was different than everything else on the card, and they loved it. So don't try and do the same thing all the time. It's... (sighs) That's, That's... I'm convinced that's the biggest problem, is everything... Yeah, like you turn on WWE TV and they got one guy who is just—I mean, on on fire for you know. Like they're having a um, an awesome, um, you know, awesome intense thing. Like the you and I—we messaged earlier today, and it was the you know Joe and Owens brought out the the Vikings to go at Seth Rollins' faction, and it's like that's hype. Now, yes, they stepped in it later, but that was hype. But everything on the show is not going to do that. You know why people – part of the reason people love The Rock is nobody else on the show could be as funny and cool as The Rock was. Nobody else on the show at that time looked or worked like Mick Foley did. So – and people carving their stuff out. Um. And so it, that that was part of it, and now we're getting into this homogenized area. Why do people love what It's different.
0: I think that's where NXT's really fallen off for me, is like you watch their two-hour show, and you're just numb by the end of it, because it, like, it feels like it's the same same match over and over and over right. again. And everyone's like, well, it's really good. Like, yeah, but I don't know. Sometimes I need something that's not like some... Epic match trying to be four stars. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just nice. Um, like I'll use a recent example from a recent dark, like Darby Allen versus Brandon Cutler. Like they were just, they had kind of an extended squash match that showed both guys off. They weren't trying to have a four star match. And you know what? It was kind of refreshing.
1: Sometimes you don't want a four star match. Why do I want to see a four star match? or someone going for a four star match all the time. Sometimes, I want to see this big dude come out there and plant the little dude because of course that should happen. Here comes the big dude and the little dude goes at him and the big dude, you know, if you had Marco Stunt charge John Tenta, what would you expect would happen? Tenta would flatten him and then he'd do the earthquake splash and that would be it because of course it would. That makes sense. We don't need that to be a four star match. Marco stunt got way in over his head and got crushed for it. But you can use that to set up something else.
0: That's like watching old like Jim Crockett promotion stuff. Like sometimes like you don't get like feature level matches, but sometimes it's just great watching some poor jobber get destroyed by like the Road Warriors or or the Midnight Express or Nikita.
1: Like I said, that's generally a heel thing. You don't want, the, the, the good guy is not just going to mercilessly beat up somebody. It's well, a, it's I,
0: well, gen, generally. Um, the road warriors.
1: Generally. My
0: my wife, was, my wife laughs at their like, have you, have you seen their like squashes or like a lot of their JCP matches? It's like, it's pretty much Iron Man hits. They pretty much are in the ring and just destroying anything that moves and it's hilarious.
1: I watched the uh, the history of the Road Warriors documentary, but it didn't have any of those full matches on it.
0: Like, there um, was one against the Midnight's where they do that, and she was just hilariously laughing because I think I think like it was five seconds in, and like they literally one of them was like had eaten like on the ground and was on top of him like punching him in the head.
1: <laughs> um, the the other thing that you don't uh, that that you don't see where it doesn't need to be a four star match is sometimes two big dudes come out there and just just wail on each other. And guess what? Nobody's going to call that a four-star match because, quote unquote, the four-star match has certain benchmarks that people look for. Like it's become its own genre.
0: I don't know. But, I think that, I would call that um that Stan Hansen versus Andre match we watched a five-star match and that was just two animals
1: right like I mean they're going they're just it. tearing at each other and that was crazy entertaining wasn't it oh, but that it didn't match- have That's... go ahead I'm sorry that
0: that would probably be it wouldn't be like the top of my pantheon but that would probably make my pantheon of like all-time favorite matches
1: that was yeah and the only thing that you need to know about that match going in is if Stan Hans you hit Stan Hansen hits you with a lariat you go down. And so when they're like, oh, that's why Andre's on that arm. Yup. Because he's trying to keep Stan Hansen from hitting him with that lariat. Um, The, uh, you know, you don't, a a quote-unquote, like the four-star match that you and I are kind of referring to has like some hallmarks in it, you know. It's got a bunch of reversals. Or it's got a bunch of chain that comes out to this or something like that, right? Uh, you, You know it when you see it.
0: But yeah,
1: yeah, it, it's like its own subset of wrestling now.
0: You, and I think you're, I think what you're describing is the self conscious epic.
1: Yes, yeah, well, good. That's that's a good way of putting it.
0: I call and that the I call that the Shawn Michaels special.
1: Is it the Shawn Michaels special?
0: That's what I, I call it because he he kind of is the he is kind of the person I think that it's gotten it's gotten a lot worse since him, but like. He is that one that, like, the super self-aware, like, uptight, like, epic that's just overwrought at every turn.
1: I would say he, he, we could probably call that the progenitor of the trope, but in my head it's labeled more as the, the...
0: ROH special.
1: Yeah, something like that, like the aughts big indie special or something like, ROH special fits too.
0: The, the Uh, All Japan slash Noah... It's Saturday like night eight, special.
1: Yeah, everybody everybody's kicking out of everything. And then you drag yourself back up to your feet and then you hit a big move that you shouldn't be able to do if you can't stand up and then you lay there for longer and all this kind of stuff. It's like no.
0: See yeah, that I think people bores me. I think people get a little too they get a little too up their butt about that sometimes, like when they're like, Well the guy stops selling the leg and I'm like Well yeah, like they they haven't worked the leg in 10 minutes are you supposed to sell the damage for the entirety of the match like you can't recover at what, any point
1: what i would do in a case like that is if they they've been working the leg on it is i would stumble in the middle of doing something even if i didn't go down i'm acknowledging that it still happened but i'm i'm back up on my feet now it, does or that like, make sense
0: yeah or you know you struggle to make the pin like there's ways to do it but i don't know cuz like I but people get weird about like Hulk ups and I'm like, you know, that doesn't bother me because usually like even with Hulk Hogan, like if he missed the leg drop, like the Hulk up was over. He was back to like hurt. Yeah. It's and like Sting had like Sting had the burst in him and then he he would usually he was usually done. He'd
1: burn out, yeah. yeah. Well it's I, I look at it this way, is the Hulk up is a wrestling trope and tropes aren't bad tropes are part of what you use to build stuff, so there, it's it's not a, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's fine. Just accept it for what it is. The problem is, if you're not doing it well, or doing it right, it's gonna fall flat and look stupid. So, yeah. It's it's
0: Speaking of the Sting Hulk up, um, when he had that rematch with Hogan on Nitro, and, like, he, like, lost it midstream, and Hogan was down, and he, like, Pretty much collapsed and headbutted Hogan right in the balls it was hilarious.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, as 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 a teenager in high school, I took that to be Sting knows that he's out of gas, but he's going to use that to hurt Hogan on the way down. So that's a
0: good theory, actually.
1: That's that's the way I liked it. Um, but yeah,
0: I get I get that. I just think sometimes though, you got to let it. Like sometimes, sometimes, sometimes doing the cool thing supersedes like the logic. Not every time, but there are times that
1: the rule of cool works sparingly. Yes. If you use rule of cool all the time, it's no longer cool. It's boring.
0: Yeah, I agree if, with that. <laughs> if
1: if 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 everything that Ricochet did had a front flip in it then I would be sick of seeing front flips I don't want to do that but let's be fair Ricochet does a lot of cool stuff but he doesn't he does a lot of cool athletic stuff but he doesn't actually fly and do all that much flippy stuff all the time
0: well, he knows how to keep it in his pants when he needs to. He knows yeah. how to, like, slow it. He doesn't He doesn't necessarily, like, slow it way down, but he knows how to take, like, half a foot off the gas pedal, which gives him variety.
1: He also knows how to breathe. He knows how to yeah. take a moment and let it breathe. That's what I'm talking about is, you know, you don't overload on stuff. And, what, he started using the... Uh, did he start using the Codebreaker as an alternate finish, I think, because doing 630s was killing him? Yeah. I, th- I think that's a smart move on his part.
0: He's getting at that age, though, I think, where you you start. I think this is about the age of Billy Kidman started to uh, stop doing the Shooting Star as much.
1: I'm going to be honest with you. Billy Kidman probably should have stopped doing the Shooting Star a lot earlier. Yeah. Cause, uh... That's when he
0: started doing like the Unprettier and like stuff like that. Oh yeah, well, and
1: it's just not as hard on you. It, it's yeah. really not. I mean, my finishes. Um, it was I used the the jumping DDT. I used a diamond cutter, and I used an ankle lock.
0: I mean, that's why Muda started doing the Shining Wizard because his knees were crap. So he yeah he, got, he went less aerial.
1: I, I honestly, I looking back, that's one thing I wish I would have done is is some version of a knee strike as a finish because I could do that without killing somebody, but it would also look awesome.
0: Yeah, but you know, I think I think the problem. Knowing the people I was
1: working with, knowing the people I was working with, they wouldn't have taken it.
0: Oh you sound like a lot of the people you worked with are lame.
1: Uh, Please finish your thought.
0: I was gonna say, I think the problem you would have run into at the time, though, is everyone was doing like some sort of knee strike to the head.
1: Not where I was.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, no, no, it would have been unique. It would have looked good because you because you had the size to do it. You should have started doing the go to sleep to people.
1: Uh, Alex was doing that. Oh, yeah, jerk. it's uh, not, not a big deal. Um, but he was already doing that, and I was okay with it um the um
0: that's a good move though i like that as a as a finisher
1: one of my one of my big spots and i'll say this before we sign off i might have mentioned it on an episode before but i had a spot i called a plane crash as i pick someone up in a fireman's carry i'd do an airplane spin i'd stop and i'd plant my feet so that we didn't both fall over and then i'd do that wade barrett's wasteland like whip them over my head to the mat
0: that's and nice.
1: I thought to myself, you know what? That's a damn good spot. And it it was, I kind of used it as a mid-match spot because I didn't figure it was a good idea for a finisher to have, you know, that I had to be in good enough condition that I could do an airplane spin and then slam you as a finish. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think that was good psychology, but.
0: You could have done, like, a double knee strike, like a running double knee on someone.
1: My thought, I probably would have tended more towards William Regal's knee trembler. Is, um... Because his was basically just a running... uh, It's probably closer to the way Adam Cole does it, except you stay upright. But, um...
0: He did the one like where he would just grab their head and he'd kinda like do like the jumping double knee like right to there.
1: No Regal, the knee trembler, he'd just go to the corner and as you were getting up he'd just run out and clock you in the side of the head with his knee. Well,
0: well no, he did that, but he had the one where he would just like hit you with like the double knees, like kind of a like he would be standing oh, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. strikes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. He'd he'd pop both feet up off the mat to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would always look good.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. But it's if I'd had my druthers I would have been doing a super kick, but there were already two people doing that. Um, so I could I could never get away with using a super kick. Oh, I sucks. wanted to. I really wanted to. But
0: Is there any other moves like you 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 were just dying to do that? Uh, think?
1: Yeah, there were um I got to do an iconoclasm once. Alex and I talked about that because I did it to him. Um, towards the end of my run, I actually started using a choke slam because I was big enough to do it. I was so much bigger than everybody else around.
0: You're big enough. You should have done like the Rikishi pile driver he did like for a while. That one where you have them, like over your shoulder. Yeah. You put your arms out and then you kind of like grab them and there's actually the pile a, driver.
1: a fella who he came out of where I worked. Uh, he started training um, for, around while I was there, and he came out of there, and he's been working for, like, Rockstar Pro, and you know what? I need to I need to look him st- his stuff up, but Crash Jackson is – dude has been working really hard and getting his name out there and putting into miles. I
0: actually know that name because he works around here. Because oh. Rockstar is in Dayton.
1: He Yeah, he moved up to Dayton Um He moved from where he was in the mountains to Lexington and he moved from Lexington up to Dayton and crash Jackson. Hey, he has, I mean, he has grown and gotten better so fast. So he's
0: part of, I think he's kind of become part of that Ohio crew that you see in a lot of Ohio promotions. now.
1: He probably has, but he's at some point I'd probably like to get him on here, but, um, I'd have to get up with him, but, um, We'll, we'll, God, at the rate we're going, I, I'm going to be afraid to do that or else something tragic will happen to him. Hey,
0: it's, o- it's only the one guy, the other people we've had an easier time with.
1: That's, that's true. That's true. You know, maybe I ought to try and get the guy that got me into the business in because he, he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. But we'll, we'll, we'll do that down the line.
0: I want to, I want to actually get, I don't know if we could ever pull this up. I want to actually get a promoter on at some point and just talk about like the, eco- the economics of running a show.
1: I'll poke around and see if there's anybody I can get for that. Um,
0: cause I think, I think, th- I think it would be interesting, but I think there's a lot of people, especially commenting on the internet that really need to be educated on what the, what the finances of running a show look like.
1: It's more complicated than they think it is. Yeah. There's a lot more
0: and why like, right. why like lower level indie guys get paid what they get paid
1: yeah well yeah no kidding um, I think that's about going to do it for this episode which I think is pretty good for, <laughs> for a seat of our pants episode yeah. um, this is Shad and Brad listen we'd love to hear from you uh, hit us up on social media let us know what you thought um, I guess we've been in two corners and you can be in one of the other two Um, but we thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye.